you've come to the right place if you're looking to create, launch, and scale a high-value online training program. I'm your guide, Chris Badgett. I'm the co-founder of Lifter LMS, the most powerful learning management system for WordPress. Stay to the end. I've got something special for you. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to another episode of LMS Cast. My name's Chris Badgett. I'm joined by a special guest. Her name is Melissa Love. She's been on the podcast before. So if you like what you hear, I want you to go check out her other uh, episode. We've also done a webinar training with Melissa Love uh, that was really good about design, about uh, launching a membership, and all kinds of different stuff. We're going to get into that. She's also a theme creator as a, as a uh, designer. She has an amazing theme for training-based membership sites and those types of businesses um, called Tribe. Welcome back, Melissa, to the show. Thank you. Lovely to be back. Always a pleasure. Awesome. And her website, where to go find Melissa, is at thedesignspace.co. Um, geez, where are we going to start? Where are we going to start? Um, there's a one of the things you embody before we get into some like more tactical stuff and like lessons learned that has always just impressed me about you as a course creator but also as a designer and more broadly an entrepreneur is you seem to be able to really have like this right brain creativity i mean obviously you're a fantastic designer but then you also have all these like systems and like very lot you have this like logical workflows and checklist kind of you, you seem like you can flow between right and left brain just so easily. And maybe that's an old, outdated way of thinking. But how do, you, how do you exist so well on both ends of the spectrum there? It's such a good question. I didn't used to be that kind of person. I was very much um, the creative who was a bit disorganized and a bit scatty. And I kind of took a weird pride in that, like, oh, I'm so creative. And I haven't got time for any of this practical stuff. And I would totally wing it. And I just was, because my work was good, I always had people queuing up to work with me, but I wasn't working very smart. I was just wasting time. And my business, I didn't, and when you don't think tactically, you can't scale your business. And it just got to the point where I was so burnt out and so ready to scale. I thought, you have to sort this out. You can't just go with a, you know, a to-do list that never gets any shorter and no, no strategy and you're not outsourcing anything. I just hit a wall and thought, get over yourself you know and then actually I really I fell in love with marketing my business and understanding my numbers and actually I kind of preferred that to the creative in some respects so much so that I created a membership around marketing which if you told me I was going to do that I don't know 10 years ago I'd have laughed my head off because it just I was not that kind of person that had time for any of that that's awesome uh, yeah, that's like a, it's a emblematic of an open mind. It's like discovering, I call it discovering a new area of the bookstore that you didn't realize like, oh, wait a second, there's a whole other thing here that I'm interested in and I can explore. That's awesome. But um, I think we also live up to the stereotypes that people kind of give us. So, or that we yeah. encounter, which is that creatives aren't techie. Or that I've got, I work with a lot of photographers, as you know, and I can't believe the number of them that go to me. I'm just really not very techy. I'm like, you operate a really complicated $5,000 piece of equipment. Then you put all the photos on a computer and you edit them all and export them. And you're very techy. You're just, you know, and you can apply those skills to, to other areas of your business. That's awesome. Yeah, I love that. Like we, uh, you know, getting outside of the stereotype, a, a related question to that. I call it the five hats problem where to do these types of uh, training-based uh, websites, online learning platforms, coaching businesses, all this stuff online at scale through the internet, you have to be a entrepreneur, an instructional designer, a community builder, a techie, and uh, uh, educator. I think, I think I got that right. But uh, anyways, the whole point is you have to wear a lot of hats and I see a lot, it's really easy to get stressed out. So how do you, how do you prioritize without um, like, how do you know what to focus on and where to be strategic? You know, how do you, how do you prioritize in this type of business where you have an online business more at the most broad level with the online business? How do you do that? 
Um, like, do you do correlate? Do you do quarterly planning and stuff? And like, uh, like just, I know it's really hard to say no to things. I mean, that's a big part of it. But how do you focus? Um, well, the first thing is you have to learn to, and I think what's really hard is when you're just starting out and you don't have a lot of extra cash in your business. It's all, it's all well and good for someone like me to say, oh, you should just outsource or you need to invest in a coach to keep you accountable. But, you know, that's like $5,000 and you might not have that kicking around your business. So I think in those days, you do have to take accountability for your planning. Um, not only do I do annual goals and quarterly planning, I have it all in my workflows in ClickUp, which is a tool I love. I make my whole community do it with me. So we... So I do my planning during those sessions. We, we have a workbook that we get out every quarter and I make everybody, I give them my ClickUp template or I give them a Google sheet if they don't have that or they can just use a pen and paper and we, we all do it together. Then they they submit their goals for the next quarter. Then I, I check back with them about halfway through the quarter just to see how they're getting on. Normally they go on it or, oh my God, I can't, how embarrassing. <laughs> so it's, um, it's vital because then that gives you a set and then, I think what a lot of people do is they do their planning and they just put it in a dust, the equivalent of a dusty drawer and they don't have, have it as something that they check in with daily. So I have mine pinned to my home page of ClickUp, my key goals. And I look at them, I think, even if I just do one tiny thing to move myself bigger to my goals today, what's it going to be? And it might be pitching to someone or like a five minute job for each of those big goals. It might be doing another page in a template. It might be pitch, sending a pitch email to someone to be on a podcast. It might be you know, it might be writing a piece of content that really needs to get done, but I always try and keep them at the front. Otherwise, you're all is lost if you kind of do the planning, but don't don't do the follow through. That's awesome. One of the things I've noticed about people that are successful with our tool or just more broadly in the industry is they have a uh, like a clear customer, and I could and maybe that changes over time. Like I know you've done a lot with photographers, and now you do a lot with. Uh, marketing professionals and you have these clear customers like this avatar and then the other thing i see in people that are the most successful is that they um they surround that person with like support and it's not always just one thing like just a video training or just some service or um like in your case it's really cool because you have like coaching opportunities but you also have like your themes so like when i see tribe that theme i'm like wow this is this saves a lot of time for people to have great design great site it's like a it helps a clear customer a web designer trying to build this type of site uh have an extreme time advantage um tell us tell us about where tribe came from how that bubbled up as like a project to invest in well, it's interesting. Once I launched the membership, I had quite a few people reaching out and saying, oh, my God, your site's amazing. How did you build it? Can you give us a tour? And, oh, we've been on the fence. We didn't know whether to choose, you know, a third party platform, you know, the likes of Kajabi or whatever people are using. But actually, we really like WordPress, but that seems really daunting. So I kind of ended up giving a lot of tours and behind the scenes um, little tutorials to people. And then people started joining my membership just to get access to some coaching around that. So I thought there's clearly demand there. And I know that, as you know, in my when I first started using Lyft, I was in the group all the time asking like a gazillion questions. How can you do that? How can I make this look better? Why doesn't this work like this? And, you know, just generally being annoying. So I just thought, well, actually, now I know how to do all of those things. I think it's it would be really good to share that knowledge and then to fast track it, because I think there's always a middle way. There's a and this is the thing. There's a lot of things you want to do in your business. You might want to hire a professional like me to build you your own all singing, all dancing LMS site, but that is going to cost you $10,000. Or you could try and do it yourself from scratch, uh, but you're probably not going to get the result you want. But there's a middle way, which I call the IKEA way, which is, you know, I could try and build a beautiful dining table and sure, it would be functional. You might be able to eat food off it, but it would look terrible. But I can go to Ikea and buy something that's good design. I can put it together myself and it, it's cost somewhere in the middle. So I just think, you know, whatever it is, whatever you want, whether it's a really expensive coaching program, there's probably going to be a stepping stone to what ultimately you might be able to afford in the long run for your business. You know, I'm in a couple of memberships, have been for the last couple of years, which put me in the right environment. I've only this year just invested in a much more high ticket coaching program for a whole year which I've never done before but it took me a few other steps to get there so I think that's why 
for me, tribe fills that middle gap for people who, you know, if you're on your fifth membership and you've done loads of launches, you can probably afford to hire the $10,000 designer. But if you haven't, if this is your first one, you want it to look good, but you don't want to risk everything. It's a good solution. That's awesome. And what do you, as if you're looking at like a, a site for somebody who's building a community or a tribe or a coaching program, what's the simplest as a marketer yourself, what's the simplest marketing funnel for somebody to think of without like flying off the tracks of like, what needs to happen on the site? Like, what do they need? What, let's say they have some free YouTube content and they're sending people traffic to the site. They've got some good content, which we're going to talk about in a little bit about how to make zero waste content. But uh, what is a marketing funnel for people? I, I, I guess I see a lot of people get kind of like in the weeds and overly complex. How do you see the website parts of a funnel operating? Oh, good question. So I think just to take wind that back a step is I see in my own membership and my membership, people absolutely agonize over their lead magnet content or their freebies. So like, is the market too saturated? But has one of my competitors done this? And like, it doesn't matter because people want to hear it from you. They need to know that you're the experts. It doesn't matter how many that's, you know, I've just launched a build a DIY website checklist. There's going to be gazillion checklists out there, but none of them are written by me. None of them have my authority behind it. And my audience want to hear from me. They don't want to hear from someone else. I want to have to Google it. They want me to say, do these things in this order. That's all you need. So I think first of all, you have to kind of get over yourself a bit. It's always going to be a bit embarrassing to launch a freebie. And, you know, maybe there's crickets. No one wants it. But um, the other thing is you don't have to guess. Like I'm a massive proponent of doing a ton of research. Um, I call it emotion-based research. I've got, I can give you a link to a blog post about it where I call them the five magic questions. They're all emotion-based. They're all kind of, if you could wave a magic wand and have your, you know, lift a LMS website built for you tomorrow, what would be the top three things you'd need? So they're going to answer these questions and they're going to basically tell you what their most pressing need is. And then you can create the piece of content around it that's going to answer that. They've told you they want it. It's kind of a no-brainer. So um, once you have your piece of content, um, what I like to do is I, when we'll come on to this shortly, is I actually create my piece of content in tiny chunks in this kind of, and I won't, we'll talk about this in a second. So I gather a lot of organic feedback as we go along. People say, I put it out, I drip it out in paragraphs on Instagram and I see what questions I get and in my Facebook group and I think, mm, that needs tweaking before I bundle it all together to become the piece of content that it's ultimately going to be. So once you've got confidence in your piece of content, this is where I think a lot of people get a bit panicky and they think I need to buy lead pages or quick funnel, click funnels. And they go off and kind of into another tech $99 a month subscription, which they don't need. When If you've got WordPress, that's literally all you need. And again, I think the other thing is you have to do is keep driving them back to your site. So there's a little psychological flow, as I'd call it. So email sign up on your own website, not on any other thing like click funnels or lead pages. Um, you redirect them to a thank you page. So you, you don't just give them a thank you success message. Obviously, if you're ever going to do paid traffic, you need a thank you page where you can measure how many people get to the thank you page. And I think a lot of people boost posts, don't have a thank you page, feel like they've just burnt a $50 note when they do that. So that's a real basic, which when you're just starting out, it's easy to not know about. Um, then, you know, they that on that thank you page is where you start to relationship build with a video, a thank you, drive them to your Facebook group, wherever you want them to go next, keep an eye on your inbox. And then they're going to get an email, an automated email. Hopefully you've signed up to MailerLite or ActiveCampaign. And in that email, it has to, again, you don't just give them the freebie in the email where they can download it straight. You want to get them to go back to the website, to a delivery page. The reason is you want to know how many people click through to see how many people are consuming your content but also um, it's a little psychological trick. They start to think, oh, email from Melissa, there'll be linked some good content on her website. Uh, you're building that little kind of neurological firing of excitement that every time they get an email from you, it leads to something good. So, and then, you know, you drive them back to that beautiful delivery page where you've embedded it so they can flick through it or they can download it. You're giving them options. So if they're on a phone, they don't go, yeah, I don't want to download a 16 gigabyte pdf onto my phone when i can just flick through it with my finger right here and consume the content so there's lots of good reasons to keep driving them back to your website wow that's that's really really good funnel wisdom there that's that's awesome and before we go to uh zero waste content i wanted to ask you a, a thing i see people struggle with a lot of things you do well 
is are the opposite of what I see people struggle with. And one of those is perfectionism. And I'm sure perhaps you have some perfectionist qualities or whatever, but when you develop in public, like you're getting feedback and you're asking questions and you may want it to be perfect, but you're okay with kind of iterating as you go to make sure it's good. And you're even talking about setting up a funnel with feedback loops in it. Like how many people are clicking through, how many, you know, how, how well is this thing working? Like you're open to it, not being perfect. Like it seems like with you that you, um, and, and the, just in general, the people I see that are the most successful, everything is a work in progress all the time. It's never done. It's never perfect. Giddy up. Let's go. Like, how did you get there? Did you ever get over? Like, did you ever have problems with perfectionism or did you just, is that just something you figured out early on? It's such a good question. I used to definitely procrastinate more, um, bef- you know, as you dip your toe into a marketplace. I think once I started to sell things online, move into a more, and I don't like to use a passive income, but more subscription-based income or online sales, um, I had to get over myself because you, at first you think, God, I've got competitors that are all going to look at this and you can talk yourself out of doing it. But actually... What I found is brutal honesty works best. So, I, you know, my very first, one of my first blog posts I ever wrote when I launched my community was done is better than perfect. And I said, look, there's going to, we're all going to make mistakes along the way. But the great thing about the internet is you can edit it whenever you like. So I say, so when I make mistakes, please let me know. And people are like, hey, Melissa, I just wanted to let you know, this is, looks weird on mobile. You're like, thanks, got it, good spot. So if you, as long as you're not going to be defensive about it, I mean, I do all the best of my checks, the best of my ability, but, you know, and I'm not saying I rush things, but um, yeah, I, I don't stall anymore. I'm keen because there's always something else. I think this is the thing you think, well, you know, back in the day, I thought, well, if I could just launch a range of templates, that'd be brilliant. And I, I will have got to where I want to be. But of course, then there's another summit and you get to the top of that. And there's another thing that you're excited about. So you just have to get on with it, ship it. You, and you might have to revise it, but then, you know, there's always something exciting for me glimmering on the horizon. So that stops me from getting stuck in perfectionism. That's awesome. Well, another one of those two-sided swords is, uh, I mean, it goes by a lot of names like expertitis or whatever, like, especially if you're really passionate about something or had a lot of life experience in it, you know, a lot. And sometimes it's hard to, like, there's just so much there and you, you also have a drive to help people and, and whatnot to like, chunk things down into usable bits that are useful and whatnot. So one of the things I've noticed, which you also do well, is you um, uh, you, ha- you have a chunking process. Uh, one way as I describe it is problem, result, and then there's tools in the middle to help people. Just like any piece of content or training or something, it, the good stuff like really starts with a core problem and then we solve it. And, um, but so, that that being said, I just wanted to use that kind of as a tie-in to how do you do zero waste content? Like, do you start with a problem or how do you um how how do you get efficient with content? Because course creators, coaches, uh uh website designers, marketing agencies, if they're in the content game at all, it's there's so much we could write <laughs> or or do or whatever. Like, how do we do it and then also use it effectively, ideally for both marketing and inside of products and communities and stuff. Okay, right. This has taken me a while to get to this stage where I, 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 I see this now with kind of much, much more clarity. But um, for me, it really starts with doing your emotion-based research. And from that, if you use kind of the magic questions, which are all emotion-based, and I, I just use a Google form and it's or a type form. They, they both spit out a nice Google sheet with all of the answers in a big grid. So you can look down and I take a little highlighter. I'm like, right, that's falling into that bucket. That's falling into that bucket. These are people's real words. Like, I feel overwhelmed and I don't know how to approach this because of X, Y and Z. I wish someone could do this to me. These are the kind of answers you're getting, which are absolute gold. So I normally kind of silo them into three, the three key pillars. And everyone should have their three key pillars. You're going to talk about that in everything you do from your sales page. That's the, These are the big problems that your course is going to solve, your content is going to solve. And if you find yourself, if you can't relate what you're working on back to those three killers, you probably shouldn't, three key pillars, you shouldn't be writing it, basically. Hey, just, just for example, real quick, what are what are the marketing fix three pillars? Um, they are um, overwhelm and time management. 
um, they are imposter syndrome and they are um, tool confusion when it comes to marketing. There are so they don't want to choose. I love now, that. What's really awesome. is, over the last year, um, overwhelm and time management weren't a thing anymore because everybody had loads of time because, you know, a lot of people weren't working. So suddenly I had to park that and it was how to pivot your business and not rely on one income stream became a pillar for me over the last year. That's now I can put that back on its shelf and people are going to get time poor and feel overwhelmed again. So they do, they can change, but not very often. I mean, it's not very often we have a global pandemic. So you yeah, know, that, yeah. that was exceptional, but I was kind of thought, oh, things are changing here. I, I need to tell people to stop how to manage, stop telling people how to manage their time. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So once you've got your three killers, that three key pillars, that unlocks a lot of structure. So you're going to test your goals against them. You're going to test your course content against them. And, you know, I look at my big goals for the year and I think, right, from that, I have to make sure those big goals relate to these things. Otherwise, it's not going to have a resonance with my audience. But then when you've got your pillars, what I've got is I've got some kind of I've got ideas lists where I can then break those down into lots of different topic ideas. So. I need to make sure they're covered in my course, but also I need that. That's the kind of content I'm going to create. The thing is, here's where people, I think, this is how I used to think anyway. I don't know whether I'd say people go wrong, but I used to see them as three separate activities blogging, social media, and creating paid for content. I'd think, well, I've got to create the paid content. It's got to be amazing, obviously. But then I have to blog about in a way that doesn't give the game away. But then I also have to do some social media as well. Oh, it feels like there's so much to do. Then I realized it's all the same. <laughs> It's all the same content. So what I do now is it doesn't matter whether it's a piece of paid content or a free lead magnet or social media content. I now spend 15 minutes every single day chunking a topic down into five points. And at the end of the week, that's rounded up into a blog post. And if it's um, suitable for to be, or maybe I've done it deliberately to be a piece of paid content, I'll make a tutorial video and then that's a module in my course. Now, in theory, I suppose you could go through my blog and my YouTube videos and my free courses and my Instagram and probably piece together everything that's in my paid content. But it'd be a hell of a job to try and find it all in the right order. So I think this is what I, my biggest piece of advice is don't worry. You know, it's almost impossible to give the game away. You know, it, it, your paid content, people pay for your expertise, your coaching, your support to have the right things in the right order. Sometimes I hold some bits back, but often there's not nothing. No, I don't. And I use this, this opportunity to organically test everything. So in the last few weeks, I've produced two new lead magnet pieces of content just by dripping out every day, 15 minutes of writing a day, put it into a blog post, turn it into a PDF on the Friday, job done. So um, it means I've been able to test all the content organically. So I'm now about to embark on a massive redesign of some of, of my main flagship course, but I'll be using it to update blog posts, strip it out, get feedback on the content, see if I've missed anything, and then re-record the video, um, you know, at the end of that week. So once you realize that, I also then normally on a Friday talk through the points um, on Instagram Live, save it to Instagram TV. If I've got time, it gets those five chunks get made five different pins to go on Pinterest. It's just, you know, repurposing to the max and not being precious about your content because no one's going to, because you're the only person that sees all of your content. So there's no way someone, unless they are obsessively following you and reading all your stuff, there's no way they're going to put it all together and think, well, yeah, I think I've read everything. I think she's taught me everything I could, she could possibly have to teach me in Instagram captions. No one's ever going to say that. So, you know, it, I think it, it only helps. And it, and I feel I'm someone who's very generous with free content anyway. So for me, it really massively helped me to, quickly develop a large amount of content and test it validate it and then then it find its place in my paid content wow that's that's awesome if you were to kind of just back at the napkin guess what percentage of your time is spent making content versus uh repurposing slash uh distribution or marketing of the content if you will so like the actual content creation and then all that other stuff is it what's the split Good question. I probably spend, if I if I think about it, let's say interacting in groups and managing the content. I probably spent a, a day a week, but that includes paid content. Probably another day creating design resources, themes, and other things. But I actually own, I write this all in a Google document, and my team actually repurpose it into the social media posts and the Pinterest pins. So actually, I'm 
this is this taken me a while to get here. It's only probably in the last three months that we've got this workflow down. That I relax enough to just give everyone the power to do it and for me to take a step back. So all I'm really doing is creating a Google document maybe, and a video on a Friday. And, and the rest now happens pretty seamlessly. All my emails get sent out. They're written by my marketing manager. Um, That's so, awesome. Yeah. And, you know, even things that I used to do independently, like if, if, you're, if you're on my list or in any of my groups, you'll get an email every Monday called Monday Motivational Mindset Monday, I think it is. And it's normally a funny story that relates to kind of a business principle or a design principle. And I, I just used to write that every week. And now that has become the intro to the blog post that introduces the whole week. It goes out to my whole list. It's, you know, I often deliver it in an Instagram story. So I've just suddenly kind of wised up to the fact that it's all the same. And then once you get your workflow down and if you can outsource a little bit of your 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 kind of graphic and kind of copywriting that goes in emails and on socials to to, to other people, then suddenly you really accelerate what you can achieve in the, with the time you've got when you're not doing all the jobs like write the content create the graphic chunk you know chunk it get it in the right format for this platform or that one you know that would probably be another day's work for me if I wasn't outsourcing that so you're saying that uh when you're giving out all this content, you, you discovered that you weren't fearful around like giving all this stuff away because inside your paid areas, there's so much other value that comes in getting the right thing at the right time with support and, and coaching and just that curation aspect. Yeah. So, at which I, I just wanted you to know, like I 100% have seen, agree with, it works in some like coaching programs I'm in that uh, the value is just like, the, the order is just as important as like the volume of stuff and you don't need everything instantly all at once. So just that, that guide through the content or through the methods to the right tool at the right time is like super important. So in that light, how, what have you learned running a membership site on how to do onboarding and activate to avoid overwhelm in your members and to just kind of help? I know that's a big question, but how do you, what are some tips there? Well, I don't know if we've talked about this before, but when we when I launched the membership, and we still I still use it as a strap line, it was very much about, you know, join the membership and we'll help you banish marketing overwhelm. You know, we'll show you what to do and when. So, you know, that's funny. That was literally in your messaging. I just yeah. now remembered that. That's awesome. Yeah. So in the first intake, 250 people joined and instantly got overwhelmed. And they were like, We're overwhelmed. I'm like, oh my God, this is, <laughs> this yeah. is not what I have to do. I don't know where to start. So what I did was I placed a lot of the content in getting a getting started track, the first three mini courses. I completely redid the dashboard. We've got a 28-day onboarding series of emails. Um, and it was good. It that kind of killed it dead because there was I said, you have when you have to watch this video and it lays out the first three to six months of what they should do in what order, what assets they should go to first. It's on the dashboard. Um, but I put a few, I then thought, do you know what? If the onboarding is so crucial and it's almost indistinguishable from retention. So we worked out that if they don't join the Facebook group and they don't um they don't they don't meet one of us in a call within Make a connection. 10 days, we're probably yeah. not gonna retain them, especially when we get people coming on, on a one pound trial for their first month. So now we do we do two things now. They get a bonjouro, or actually I've changed that to a video ask when they first join. It's a personal thing from me, and it just says, "Hey, I saw you join the membership. Just wanted to let you know." Um, you know What's I a video ask? Is that a strategy or a tool? It's a tool. It's from the team behind Typeform. So if you go onto my the design space and you go, I think it's on the I don't know if it's on the homepage. It's certainly on the info page. Um, there's a little video, and it just you press it, and I say, "Hey, do you want to ask me a question?" And I get the notification on my phone. I just reply back by video. So it's asynchronous video messaging. Cool. They can text as well, but that, that's going really well. But I've got um, a blast one that goes out to them when they first register. And it's just me literally in my yoga clothes. Just it's really informal and um, it's really fun. And a lot of people reply and go, wow, that was a cool video message. Um, then the other thing is they get, I've got an automation running in my email software that um, if people have joined in the last seven days, they, they get an email two days before the Wednesday inviting them to a new member call. And if they, and I check with, with two reminders, because I really want them on that call. When in that call, they tell me about their business, we map out their next kind of first three months. 
we make a connection. I get them to commit to coming to a co-working session on a Tuesday or whatever the next thing is. We do invite them to the social event personally. Um, you know, we welcome them into the group on a Thursday. But, you know, I, I, I can then check. And if they don't show up to the welcome meeting, I'll email them and say, listen, I missed you. Um, I really want to get on a call with you. This is one of the key perks of the membership that you get an onboarding call. It's, you know, if you're serious about this, take advantage of it. I'm here whenever you need me. So, and that helps you make a connection and they get very excited once they have a personal relationship with you. Then they're much more likely to come along to what I, the real needle movers in our membership are things like, um, and this is another good one that I, we found, I found really good for my managing my time and my stress levels as well. Because the other thing we introduced was a 15 minute SOS call. So if, if it's not something you can ask in the group because it's too personal or you just need to, to speak to me about it. You can book a one-to-one, 15-minute call at any time. So at first I thought, I'm going to get dozens of these and it's going to be a disaster. Actually, I probably only do one or two a month because at the same time we introduced a three-hour co-working session every Tuesday from 1 till 4 p.m. Covers both the UK and US time zones, which is good. And um, it's a big, long chunk of time. So I know I'm busy every week for three hours, but in that three hours, um, we're here on Zoom, sound off, everyone's head down working. I tell them to come and work on their marketing fix stuff, but I've got a side room so I can take them into a little room, get them unstuck. So a lot of people now know to save up their questions and problems either for co-working or the monthly hot seat call. So that has that has just been brilliant. And the people who turn up regularly to that are the ones who are real action takers, the ones who are there week in, week out, getting their value and turning up to co-working just to, on it. You know, they're always member of the month. It's, it's normally someone who I see a lot, who I see really performing. So all those interactive sticky elements, we also have member of the month where they win a big hamper and it's all very exciting. So all of those things that make people feel that they can get to you easily, even though you're managing that process quite carefully so that it doesn't take over your life. Those are the things that you can tell people about if you onboard them properly and they think, ah, okay, I know I can get help whenever I need it. I'll stop panicking. Wow. When people panic, they zone out and they don't engage. Then they're like, I'm not getting value. I haven't had time to use this because it all seems too much. Well, I think I'm going to turn that into ebook and give you credit for that. <laughs> if you're <laughs> listening in your earbuds or you're watching this on YouTube, I would encourage you to rewind, go back and just write down that list of what Melissa said. Because that's a what I think a good coach does is they... Um, compress decades into days. So through lots of experience, uh, experience, trial and error, things that work, things that didn't work, you just rattled off a list that took you like a long time and a lot of iterations to kind of figure out. And it's still a work in progress, but that's that's some really good tips there. It was so good. I want to like go to the other side of the conversion point. So, so I think of a funnel as like two sides, you know, like the marketing funnel and then the the onboarding activation advocacy funnel on the other side. Uh, but if we go back through the conversion point, what advice do you have for people to go from, let's say they're an expert, they're building their tribe and they're, you know, they want to put their flag in the ground. They're super passionate. They're like, I'm going to be here for a long time, but maybe they're not great. Um, uh, have a big business marketing background. How do you go from zero to 10 enrollments? Like what, what's some tips you have there? And I know that's like a broad question, but what's, if you could give somebody some advice without overwhelming them, how do you get your first 10, 10 people uh, to enroll? Well, you do have to have an audience and, you know, if you're very lucky, you'll enroll 1% of your audience, of your total audience. So would it, would it be fair to say that you would not recommend even messing with the site, the membership site and the e-commerce and all that stuff until you've started building an audience for free, like a who follow your content, email, all that? Yeah, I, I mean, it depends on how big a splash you want to do. I, I mean, the, the easiest thing to do is to build a very small audience, it can just be 100 or so people. Um, who are who are very loyal and very active and you can get some people on board for a cheap or free beta test to get them through your program you know if you bring 10 people through at half price and you'll get takers for for cheap or cheap cheap or free or near as um, you've then got testimonials and you've had your tires kicked and you've worked out what works and what doesn't and you've got advocates you can sign up as affiliates so you can start really small but you've got to find a way of it 
at least getting your beta testers in. And the only way you're going to do that is with some really good free content where they can trust that they're not going to waste their time by giving them your, giving you their time. But, you know, I was re I saw, I'd say a fairly big marketing name saying um, lead magnets and list building, list building is dead. This was one of his ads this week. And I thought, well, I'm pulling in 200 subscribers a week with my lead magnet, so I don't think it's dead. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not not in my humble experience. So, you know, they work if it's something that people want. And all of my free content that people might sign up for is 100% based on the emotion-based research that I do. So I know people are struggling with these things. Can you sprinkle a little color on that from your personal story? Because it sounds like, if I understand your history correctly, there was a moment where you and maybe it kind of happened in parallel, but where you you were really focused on photographers and then you started focusing on designers and agencies. So at some point that designer agency kind of group was small in the beginning. How did that, Where when did you kind of know like, all right, there's something here or why why did that pivot happen? Or what, what, was, what was the genesis of that building that community? Well, I think I was... I was very lucky. I was kind of a fairly early adopter of Divi. And when it first looked, I don't know, let's say five years ago, um, it was a smaller community. So everyone was sharing sites they'd built and people would go, wow, your sites are really different. I've not really seen any anything like that before. That's great. And how did you do that? And how did you do that? So I'd get a lot of, and then it would be a thing like, oh, I can't, what are you working on? I can't wait till you post your next site. We love seeing what you do. And then I got featured by Divi and I was kind of one of their featured designers. And so I started getting lots of traffic from their blog and their site. And I, lots of people started approaching me saying, oh, do you do business mentoring? Then I launched the Divi templates and, you know, I was the first person to ever sell a third party Divi product. Now it's a huge kind of industry. So it became, it, I think I just got a lot of interest in, well, I, I'd like to do that. I'd like to sell. I'd like to have more passive income and I'd like to know how you got from one to one to to kind of more one to many so it was more that people asked me a lot and so I started a Facebook group which I still run today called build your website business with Melissa Love and you know we do regular training in there and I do I do have a program for web designers which I took about 20 people through beta tested it um decided high ticket coaching wasn't for me and I, I enjoyed it but it was intense and I, I did feel I wanted a more inclusive membership style so when I built the membership it was with a view to building those people in as well so it did happen very organically I didn't kind of set out to target them as such but you were it sounds like um you were uh sharing what you were doing you were like being out like uh what's the word for it like you were kind of sharing what you were up to like you weren't yeah. That, you have to, in order to attract people, you have to be doing something, you know, like you have to have some content out there. I've seen that work for a lot of people where they're just sharing their journey and their community yeah. literally comes to them. It's not like you're, you're convincing people. You're, they're just like what they're seeing. So I, well, I think as well, this, I think something that's happened over the last year and I've certainly taken it on board is it's really good to share like the absolute highs and lows of your story. When I first started, I don't know if I've told you this story, but when I first, my very first business wasn't in design. It was, I invested um, and so did my husband kindly in it. We were doing organic food box deliveries and um, we lost a ton of money, like an, an unimagined amount. I think it was like 25,000 pounds in that first business. It failed terribly. And um, I hadn't actually told, and one of the reasons it failed was because I, I actually, we had to pay someone nearly £10,000 to build this e-commerce website. Obviously, I don't know. What I <laughs> but, um, you know, it's a great story that I've only just started telling people in the last few months. And it's people say it, it's so good to hear uh, that you have failed massively and, you know, you carried on. So, and I think what's happened in the last year globally has been quite good for honesty and people kind of really truth telling and saying actually you can pivot your business you can get pick yourself up off the ground it is okay to share your your stories and your ups and downs because it's helpful to people who you know if, if you're saying join my community because I can give you a shortcut you have to also say because you know my journey was pretty rough at times and these are some of the places I stumbled so you won't have to and you can only really get genuine buy-in if you're genuinely honest about things that haven't worked for you so I, awesome. I say, don't worry about sharing your story. You know, it's it's all it's all it's all learning. 
Yeah, that's 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 great advice. Um, you brushed over something real quick. I just wanted to go back and park on it a second. It sounds like you were debating between high ticket coaching, which I think I would say is something like over ten thousand dollars a year or something, uh, maybe twenty, maybe even thirty and up. And then there's like that, but you said you decided to do more of a membership style, which is more inclusive, meaning it wasn't necessarily for like rich people or something like that. Like it's, it's more approachable for everybody. Yeah. I totally get that. So tell us more about that. Like, uh, just your, your headspace when you were like, okay, I, I can put a course on Udemy and make 50 bucks. I can be a $30,000 a year coach per client, or I can do something in the middle with the membership site. How did you, how did you kind of, what was your thinking around there? Well, it's interesting. I, I'm not going to say I got swept away with it, but I was I was in a coaching program. It's a very well known one, which costs around I think it cost eleven thousand dollars. It was the biggest investment I'd ever made in coaching, and it was full of kind of people who it was put a full of pretty full on people, and it was all like how many calls are you doing, how many uh, people kind of you know how, how much money has everyone made today, and you know and people had setters and closers, and I just. It didn't sit well with me because I wasn't prepared to outsource my sales calls, but I was doing lots of them and, you know, I was closing them quite well and they were coming onto my beta program, but I didn't enjoy doing it. I didn't, I wanted something to be so good that it sold itself, but nothing sells itself when it's 10,000, you know, I was selling mine for about $3,000, you know, at the beta price and nothing sells itself at that price without a call. And then in the call, you know, you're not meant to try and solve their problems. You're just focused on the sale. I know how to structure a sales call. I just didn't enjoy it. I just wanted to help people. So actually, I took my first lot through my program, which was great because that repaid my investment. And then I thought, I never, I don't want to do this. I know it. I don't like this competitive kind of these high ticket marketers. It's not my jam at all. And I I went to... um, I went to uh, Mike and Callie, Callie's um, conference for um, the membership guys. I can't remember what it was called now. Retain, that's it. Thinking, well, I've got a course already. I've tried the high ticket. wasn't for me. What I'm definitely not going to do is start a membership because that sounds like really hard work. So by the end of the weekend of the conference, I was like, I'm starting a membership. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is for me. And it was just the most amazing thing because we were – in the coffee breaks, I was there with Kay actually, and, and my friend Lisa, who's also a member of the group. I would go, "Who did you meet at coffee break?" And I'm like, "I met a guy. Ga- I met a guy who helps people rescue frogs. He's got twenty thousand members." Like we were like coming back at coffee break, going, "These these people are amazing." I met someone who who coaches people how to win an ultimate frisbee. I mean, just brilliant things that people were doing, and and that all of them talked about. I love running my community. I love the people in it, and I thought, you know, that's what I want where someone might just join because, you know, £35 isn't going to, it's not a life or death situation. You don't need an hour sales call, though I happily jump on with people all the time for 15 minutes just to talk them through what it is. They tell me their problems. I don't sell to them. I say, yep, we've got resources that can meet those needs. I think you should jump in. Like, cool, let's do it. Like that kind of thing I can do. But, you know, I I felt, if you've ever been on a sales call for high ticket coaching, you when you, you know what they're doing, they're closing you. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd never felt like I wanted to put anyone in a position where they say, I don't want people to say, oh, I have to ask my partner or all of those yeah. things. But they say, you don't need to do that. Just get your credit card out now. <laughs> <And I think laughs> it's just not me. I'm like the anti-sales person. So for me, a membership is a really good blend of, you know, it's not even uh, like my, I was selling my previous course for $249, which was still a bargain, but it's still not even that though. Saying that, I'm now getting quite a few people joining at my full annual price, which is amazing without a sales call or anything. So, you know, I really and I really appreciate that. And I most most of those people will say, hey, I just joined. I'm so excited because I've been reading your blogs for ages or you're following on Instagram or I'm in your group. So I think so I know that the free content works. I know that I've proven myself again and again and again because I give away so much for free that when they get to the point where I decide is $35 too much, no way. It's a no brainer because they trust you already. And as of this recording, you have a one pound trial as well too, right? Which, which is like the ultimate sales person. Like it's, yeah. uh, Okay. Well, 
take a dollar, take it for a test drive. If you like it, stay. If not, no hard feelings or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the most yeah. low pressure sale there is. I love that. I love that. And they don't get they get everything for the, the pound as well. So we still I send them a personal note in the post. I send them their video message. They get on a call. They get the strategy. I love that you have a you have an abundance mindset because I it's easy to like with these types of sites to have a scarcity mindset. Not that that's bad. Like you need to protect your stuff and protect your assets and um, your content is valuable. But that's mm-hmm. cool to hear that you're like you hook them up. Like you're you're assuming they're gonna stay. You know, so mm-hmm. give them what they give them the good stuff. I love that. I think for me now is you know I. I there's another I've just hired well not just but we've just taken on a community manager and as we go along she's just been getting used to scheduling events and doing that stuff I'm going to get her in as well to do more personal things more personal check-ins so it's not just me taking some of the pressure off because I still think there's another level of if we don't get them there you know we need to hook them in and get them to see and feel how good it is to take action to have people you can go to to be in our community so there's more work to do there in terms of retention for us um, but you know, you're right. The abundance mindset's really important because people feel it. You know, if they're just like a trial member and they know it, it's kind of it's not like being part of the proper gang. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. Uh, well, in the spirit of giving, what is you have some free resources? Like, what are some free resources? Uh, people listening to this want to go into your world. What uh, What do you recommend? Well, just as we've been talking about content creation, you might find it interesting to see how I've done these, but I've I've produced, um, I'm really focusing at the moment on content upgrades on my blog because um, that's what my coach has told me I have to do. So I'm doing it. I'm in a coaching program too, and I always do what I'm told. I'm very coachable. (laughs) Um, The first one is um, the DIY Your Website ebook. And it really is, if you've ever built your own website and you think it's all right, but there's something about it that's not very polished. Well, I can't this put book, my finger on it. I don't know what yeah. it is. Yeah. This book puts your finger on it. This is <laughs> okay. And um, the second one is a kind of DIY your website um, launch and build checklist. So if you ever think, should I do this first in WordPress or should I do this in my hosting or should I do this first? This will tell you exactly what to do. So you don't forget anything, what order, right through to launching and security and SEO and all that kind of stuff. So it's my personal workflow when I'm building sites but both of these I created over the course of you know a week um, mostly on Instagram so if you download them both we'll put links in the show notes I'm sure is that um, you can follow back over my Instagram from a few weeks ago and see how I chunked it down into tiny micro bits of content and then gathered it all together at the end of the week and turn it into either a pdf or a or a blog post that's awesome and tell us one more time about the tribe theme and how people can get it Right, so the tribe theme is for Divi and it's also for Elemental, which we're just releasing at the moment. What it is, it's just, it's got every page you could conceivably need for a coaching website. It's got about pages, info, testimonials, sales pages, email sign up, email thank you, lead magnet delivery. Plus, I've done all the templates for the lifter areas. So, single lesson, course, um, membership pages, and they're all styled using all the different lifter short codes. So if you're using a page builder, it unlocks A, the magic of short codes, but B, it's going to set, just save you a ton of time. And as, as Chris knows, um, I like control and really like control over the design of how things look. So this takes advantage of some of the really cool kind of things which you might not notice. Like you can, instead of having using the course page as your sales page, you can redirect it to any other page in your site. And of course, that's when you redirect it to your beautiful sales page. Um, it also includes WooCommerce as well, all styled out with the product areas. So I know lots of people out there might sell a mix of things like digital downloads or T-shirts and courses and events. So I wanted to include the WooCommerce for people who are going to potentially have a really varied basket of goods in one transaction. So that's all done as well for you. Wow, that's that's really cool. Um, I want to just kind of send people out on one final question here just about since you've been at this in a while, I'm trying to like mine all the value out of I can for the listener who may be like a coach of some kind or aspiring, you know, expert in some niche, or it could be a, a website building professional who maybe has a client like that uh, or a marketer. So there's lots of different kind of people that types of people that listen to this audience. But in all the case, in all these cases, it's possible 
for business and entrepreneurship to take over life. How did you, how do you uh, make it? What are, what, what would you advise for people so that uh, the business doesn't take over everything? Oh, that's such a good question. Well, the first thing I've got two pieces of advice here. The first one is just be yourself in your business. Don't so then you don't feel like it's work, like you're having to switch in and out with different personas. You know, I really enjoy having a really quite an informal presence online. So, you know, just having a bit of fun with it instead of feeling like I have to present some front to the world. So that helps. Secondly, um, I always think there's kind of three types of people you want in your life. And so I I have a couple of friends, Kate, one of them, and Lisa, where we you, you need people who are on the same journey as you. Um, so that you can kick, you can test ideas. So you can say to people, at, you know, quick sanity check, is this crazy? Or I'm thinking about doing this, what do you guys think? Uh, or you can just pour out the stresses of where you are. So I found that, yes, I've got great friends, very close friends. You know, I switch off every Friday at three o'clock and I'll head to the beach for drinks. I've got close friends, but I also have these close business friends who, who understand what it's like to juggle with business. So have some people who are on that journey with you. And the other thing I find really helpful, I obviously I would say this is a coach, but just get into a membership which or a coaching program. It doesn't have to cost the earth. I belong to some kind of fairly low cost ones, but I really value them for being able to get answers and help. And just seeing that everyone's on the same journey really relaxes me. You know, seeing that everyone has the same struggles because it, it can be a bit lonely where you look around and you think, gosh, that person looks really successful. I'm falling behind. And that, that to me is a stressor. So, you know, I, I've kind of engineered my business life to give me reassurance, obviously, as well as spending time with my family and, and friends. Another round of words of wisdom from Melissa Love. Uh-huh. You can find her at the designspace.co. Thank you so much for coming on another episode of LMS cast. I really appreciate it. Love it. I'll be back soon. I'm sure I love it. All right. <laughs> And that's a wrap for this episode of LMS Cast. Did you enjoy that episode? Tell your friends and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And I've got a gift for you over at lifterlms.com forward slash gift. Go to lifterlms.com forward slash gift. Keep learning, keep taking action, and I'll see you in the next episode.